1: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective.
0: 2020 on Vision.
1: We turn our attention to a new and emerging generation today asking the question about whether our children or our grandchildren will be able to stand in the face of rising challenges. A name that's well known to Australian Christians is Ken Ham, the founder of Answers in Genesis. His latest book is called Will They Stand? Parenting Kids to Face the Giants. Now Giants is no doubt drawn from that biblical imagery of perhaps a young David up against Goliath the giant or the children of Israel who trembled in fear seeing themselves as mere grasshoppers compared to the giants who inhabited the promised land. Well, today there are giants that we all face too. They're cultural giants like secular humanism and rising levels of depravity or immorality and even apathy. Well, in Ken Ham's new book, he shares his own family story of being raised in Australia, the influence of his parents his own questioning as a student and as a school teacher, and then what it took to shape his convictions and his courage to go on to lead the worldwide Answers in Genesis ministry. In his new book, he especially honors his wife, Mallie and how they raised godly children, with a special focus on how a Genesis foundation Helps children face the impacts of day to day life. Ken Ham is the founder of Answers in Genesis, the Creation Museum, the amazing Ark Encounter in the US state of Kentucky. Among the newest developments is the arrival of Answers in Genesis television. I'll tell you about that shortly. And on-demand video content that will be available and you'll be able to get a, a free introductory subscription to that and a new division called Fearfully and Wonderfully Made. We'll talk about that too. But Ken Ham, a special welcome back to 2020.
0: Hey, hi, Neil. It's great to talk to you. It's great to hear an Australian accent, actually. Yes, you're surrounded by
1: American accents these days, talking to you today from Kentucky in the United States. Ken, let's get a focus on this new book of yours, The Importance of Raising Strong Believers Who Can Stand in the Face of a World That Not Only Challenges Their Faith, But Actually Wants To Eliminate Their Faith. (laughs) Do you think we sometimes underestimate the challenges ahead of us as parents?
0: Oh, we certainly do, Neil. In fact, um, you know, if if you look at what's happening, it's happened all through the Western world. It's happening in America in a big way, and that is we're losing the younger generations from the church and church attendance. I mean, even in Australia is is pretty small compared to the population and you're down to just a few percent that attend church. And in America, it's interesting, 56% used to attend church. But now when you look at the younger generations, Generation uh, Z and the Millennials and now Alpha, the the young ones coming up, it's sort of down to about 11.4% uh, in America. And we're seeing, you know, a tornado of moral relativism ripping through the culture. And the younger generations have been really... Uh, indoctrinated in a way to think that, you know, Christianity is some, you know, mythological idea and the Bible can't be trusted and science has disproved the Bible. And we need to be cognizant of the fact that if we're not raising up generations to know how to answer the secular attacks of our day, to know how to defend the Christian faith, and as you know, we're an apologetics organization equipping people with apologetics, to have a true Christian worldview that starts in the Bible founded in Genesis 1 to 11, we're going to continue to lose these generations and not impact. The culture as we need to. I mean, let's face it, one of, the, one of the things we're supposed to do as Christians is to be salt and light, which means to be filled with biblical truth and be able to contend for the faith and use the sword of the Spirit to be able to go out there and witness to this culture. And that's you know, that's what the Israelites were told. You're there to raise up godly generations and be a witness to the world. And if we don't raise up those godly generations, then who's going to be that witness in the future?
1: Well, special honour to you and your wife Mally in your latest book because it's not like the apologist standing on the platform and barking a few instructions and giving a few uh, scientific illustrations. You've taken the opportunity here, Ken, to tell your personal story and uh, right from your childhood and honouring your own parents and the way that they raised you and uh, going through all of those developmental years and onto the convictions that spur you on to lead uh, what is now a worldwide ministry. Uh, this idea of uh, your own personal story in here, you, you know, you're laying it all out there. and You're saying, this is what we did to raise our kids. And as you read this story, you'll pick up a few tips along the way. Is that what you're hoping with, uh, with the new
0: book? Oh, certainly, Neil. And, you know, it's interesting. I've had a number of people already contact me and say that, you know, even though I've written quite a number of books, co-authored and authored over 30 books, actually, and the book that I first wrote was called The Lie and actually wrote that in Australia in 1986, and it was published here in America in 1987 and, you know, revised it and updated it. And it's really, other than the Bible, which is the textbook of our ministry, it's really the main book of our ministry of The Message but I've had a number of people tell me since this book came out, which is very recently, will they stand? They say it's it's the best book you've you've done and it's very personal because you open yourself up and your family up. It's a sort of unique sort of book in that it's my personal testimony being raised in a Christian home in Australia and the the impact of my mother and father and how they taught us and what they taught us and the foundation from God's Word and how that eventually in the experiences through throughout my uh, life uh, being brought up in that particular home and some of the interesting experiences and then how that led to me uh, being a, actually a, a teacher uh, marrying a, a godly woman my, my wife Mali and then uh, being a teacher a science teacher and how that foundation that, that my father and mother had given me then enabled me to be able to witness to those particular students and, and hear their questions because they thought that their textbooks proved the Bible was wrong and evolution was true and so on and how that led to ministering in churches and finding that many people didn't realise that you could trust God's word right from the beginning, and how that started a ministry in our home in Brisbane, Australia, uh, that has led to uh, an international ministry, Answers and Genesis, and the two leading Christian-themed attractions in the world, the Ark Encounter and the Creation Museum. And now we would estimate that uh, directly... This ministry impacts 30 million people a year indirectly, tens of millions of people more. And as I say in the book, that, that is a spiritual legacy. It's a legacy of parents who taught their children to stand on God's word, to defend the Christian faith, never knowingly compromise God's word. And to, to understand that, you know, my mother always taught us, I, I, I hear her voice all the time. It's only what's done for Jesus that lasts. God first others second, yourself last, and their heart for reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ all through my life, inviting missionaries into our home and running evangelistic programs because they had a heart to reach children and to reach others with the message of the gospel. Ken, let's get nice and personal
1: here, and uh, let's talk about little Ken Ham for a few moments when you were just a boy and your dad was, uh, you know, as we're talking about model parents today, how parents model uh, issues of faith. And uh, these things become so important as to how children are shaped and the way we turn out uh, in the long run. Uh, Let's talk about your dad for a few moments because uh, he was always a stickler for, you know, the Bible being the Word of God. In fact, they called him Merv the Stirrer. And I I suspect that Merv the Stirrer was not always just said in fun. It was like, come on, Merv, Uh, how about giving it a rest for a while? I suspect that he was uh, perhaps, uh, you know, a little bit of a thorn in the side of some who were in church life because he was a stickler for truth and God's word. Reflect a little bit here on your dad and the fact that uh, he was pretty unbending when it came to issues of faith and the Bible.
0: You're quite right, right, Neil, and he he was called a, a stirrer because to him it was always we have to stand on the authority of the Word of God. I mean, when he was dying in hospital, you know, quite a number of years ago, uh, my brother was sitting with him and said, why did you love God's word so much? And he said, because my earthly father died when I was 16. And so therefore, I turned to the words of my heavenly father. So he saturated himself in the word of God. He just loved God's word and he loved to study it. And so as we were transferred around in the state of Queensland, uh, I mean, I was born in Cairns, which is way up the north, as you know, and we you know, went as far west as Mount Isa and we were up in the Gulf country and so on. My father was born on Thursday Island, but because he was so good at what he did as a teacher, he was transferred every three years. And some of those country towns we went to uh, didn't have Sunday schools. They started Sunday schools. Uh, They didn't, I might have had only one church, maybe two churches. And often we would find that the pastor had been affected by the liberal theology that was permeating uh, the seminaries. Uh, for instance, I, I remember these sorts of instances where uh, a pastor was teaching, well, a little boy took out his loaves and fishes, so it was a great example to everybody else, and they took out their loaves and fishes. And my father would take us as a family, actually, to the pastor, and this is why he was called a stirrer, because he, he would challenge the pastor from the Bible. You know, his favorite thing, verses or phrases from the Bible, have you not read, this is written, you know, it is written. Um, And he would say, this is what God's word says. You know, this wasn't just a a little boy uh, setting an example. This was a miracle. And I heard my father over and over do that sort of thing and stand up for God's word. I remember when a, a devotional book was handed out in church. And this really caused a stir, this one. And when you open to one of the devotions, it was about the flood of Noah's day. And it said Noah's flood was just a local flood. Oh, my father was so upset about that. I mean, he talked to the pastor and the and the elders of the church and said, You need to stop this uh devotion going out to the people because it's saying Noah's flood was just a local flood. No, it was a global flood. It covered the highest hills under the whole of heaven. And, and you know, I remember others saying, Oh, stop stirring, it doesn't really matter. Yes, it does matter because you're undermining the authority of the word of God. And you know, one of the things my father did. He saw how liberal theology was affecting people. And so he would start researching what the liberal theologians were teaching to give us the answers ahead of time because he didn't want us uh, being led astray. He didn't want us to doubt God's word and that doubt lead to unbelief. And looking back on it, he was teaching us apologetics. He was teaching us to defend the Christian faith. He was teaching us to never knowingly compromise God's word. That had an incredible impact on me Uh, as a child and and a great impact on on all my brothers and sisters.
1: Now, back in your childhood years and uh, your dad, of course, who was doing his best to, as you say, even preempt what those questions would be, the things that were changing at the time. And uh, you reflect in your book that there were no real textbooks available that actually talked about scientific foundations and understanding Genesis account as being something that uh, you can take as fact, as revelation from God, uh, there were no resources then and uh, you gradually, as you describe in your book, uh, gradually you get a hold of a resource here a booklet there, uh, you know and uh, and you begin to then appreciate that there are some deeper questions that need to be asked of what sort of science is being taught in schools. Take us through those years, just how that development happens because there's so many great resources. today that parents have no excuse.
0: And and you know, Neil, as you talk about that, I'm pleased you brought that up because actually because of that, and I'll explain that, that's why the ministry that is now called Answers in Genesis started and why I've always had such a, a major emphasis for our ministry of producing resources, you know, the written materials and DVDs and so on. And so I remember when, for instance, when I was going to high school for the first time, you know, 13 years old, grade 8, and the textbooks taught evolution and we came from ape-like creatures and the universe, you know, came about by chance random processes. And I remember going home to my parents and showing them these textbooks and say, well, what, do, what do we say about that? How do, how do we deal with that? So we didn't have any of the books that we have today. We didn't have uh, any of the books dealing with the flood and dealing with, you know, so-called ape men and so on. And so my father said, "I, I don't know all the scientific answers, but I do know this. If we don't believe in a literal Genesis, I mean, if you don't believe in a literal Adam and a literal Eve and a literal fall, then then you, you don't have uh, the origin of sin, you know, the fall of man, uh, the entrance of sin and death. That's a whole foundational to the gospel. The whole doctrine of marriage is based in Genesis because God made one man Adam and, and one woman Eve. And, and my father would go on and say, look, I don't have all the answers to the millions of years and answers to the evolution issues, but I do know this that this is the Word of God, and he, he taught me something. He said, just because we don't have an answer doesn't mean there's not one. Whenever anything contradicts the Bible, you always go to the Bible, you make sure you're taking it in context, according to the literature, the way it, it's written, the language, and so on, because this is God's Word. All Scripture is inspired by God, uh, and so it, God is speaking to us through this language. But and, and if you if you're taking it the right way and Genesis is history, it's to be taken as history, and yet there still seems to be this contradiction in the culture, then you don't you don't change God's word. You wait for the answers because it's man who doesn't know everything. And I remember being taught that from a young child to be reminded, only God knows everything. We know nothing compared to what God knows. There can be answers we don't know. And you know, it wasn't until my university years actually, in my uh, fourth year of university that someone gave me a little book from church a book that came from England that actually talked about you can't have death before sin and the fossils had to to come after sin because they're full of dead things and, and then equated that to the flood of Noah's day And then i i started to research and found that there was a book uh, by a professor enoch from india and i found another book by someone from uh, uh, singapore professor Orr from singapore then then i went into the gospel book depot that was in brisbane and because someone told me there was a book in america about a flood about the genesis flood and i went in there and said do you have a copy of a book called the genesis flood and there was one copy in that christian bookstore and uh, he gave it to me, you know, I, I purchased the book and so on, and got lots of answers from that biblically and scientifically. It's interesting, many, many years later, I met uh, the wife of the man uh, who served me that day, and, and they ran the, the Gospel Book her in Brisbane. And uh, when I was telling her the story, I happened to, happened to meet her uh, when she was at uh, an animal park. She's with the Lord now. They, they both are. And she said, I remember that because I remember my husband saying, the Lord has given me a burden. I have to have this book here. And she said, when you bought it, that that was why, because God wanted it for you. And that's one of the things that happened is when, when uh, I and a colleague of mine ran the first creation conference, creation apologetics conference in Australia in 1977 in Brisbane, I displayed some of the books I'd collected and I had people come and say, how do we get these? We want this information. And that's when we started a bookstore in our home and I realised the importance of having literature, having books, having, a, having the material available so they could study it and give it to their children and so on. And then from there... You know, that really started the whole ministry. And that's why even today we have a, you know, if you look at the answers in genesis.org website, incredible number of resources and the books and the videos we've had and the curricula that we have, because I've always had that emphasis. We've got to get this material into people's hands. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision Christian Radio
1: we're taking the opportunity to talk to Ken Ham who's renowned around the world and he's not exaggerating when he says these are the two most most iconic Uh, Christian sites to visit on the tourism uh, calendar. On the map, you might like to visit the Ark Encounter one day and the Creation Museum in the state of Kentucky in the US. And I've had the privilege of being able to visit uh, both of those and uh, outstanding, uh, even with Ken as uh, my personal tour guide, I might say, for the day. And it was just wonderful to look around and see the extent of the amazing things that have happened there. Ken, just before we take any calls, let me ask you about how you've fared with the coronavirus pandemic when you run a major theme park, as what those are with the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter. Uh, You must have faced a few challenges over this past 12 months.
0: Oh, we certainly did, uh, Neil, and that was uh, very difficult, actually, and it was very, um, very stressful. And, you know, a a big test of faith in a way, uh, because when the shutdown occurred, if you imagine immediately... Uh, all that income from people coming and paying tickets to to come in, all that income uh, is gone immediately. And, you know, we have a total of about 800 uh, full-time staff and another 600 seasonals. And so we had to temporarily lay off all the seasonals had to go and then we had to temporarily lay off, I'd say, 80% of of our staff and uh, even more than 80%. And because nobody knew what was going to happen, and you know that immediately had cut the the income off, and we were shut down for three months. And then when we reopened, here's the here's the thing that uh, is just amazing. Uh, Most of the secular attractions over here, even the big ones like Disney and so on, they were getting like fifteen percent or twenty percent of their previous year's numbers when they started to open. We started off at about 50 to 60%, and over the year, built up to 75%, and hundreds of bus tours were cancelled because all the bus tour companies stopped running, and we have hundreds of buses that come from across America, so without them coming, we were still getting 75% of our previous year's numbers, and then even at the end of the year for our Christmas programs, we had record numbers, and then uh, the Lord burdened people to give, and our giving went way up and uh, our giving has been absolutely phenomenal and enabled us to bring back uh, our staff and uh, you know the, the the Ark and the Creation Museum. Uh, people are still coming, uh, similar to what they were doing in the in the previous pre COVID shutdown time. And we're looking for a very very busy year. We still have some restrictions here in Kentucky. We still all have to wear masks and so on. There's some frustrating restrictions and restrictions on numbers in our restaurants and and numbers we can have in auditoriums. But our facilities are so big. That's one of the reasons we were able to cope when we when we reopened. So all I can say is. I praise the Lord. At the time, I must admit, things were looking grim in a sense. And yet God has seen us through it and blessed in a mighty way. And of course, we got on the Internet and we broadcast lots of uh, programs, video programs and live programs. And people loved that and lots of teaching programs. We ended up reaching millions and millions of people. And because of that, one of our supporters came on and said, we have got to produce a streaming service like Netflix and Disney, only Christian and built this platform for us. It's the quality of Netflix or or Disney, and yet uh, it is Christian creationist. We've got over three thousand programs on there. We're adding programs every day. Lots of live programs, other documentaries, and uh, things for all ages. And that came out of that COVID shutdown. Okay, uh, nearly news time, but let's see if we can take a quick call here.
1: Colleen is waiting patiently from Broome in WA. Colleen, what are your thoughts?
2: Um thoughts on what on the creation ministry?
1: Uh, well on the creation ministry or on our topic parents and kids facing That's giants. Right. Uh, what?
2: Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um yes, yeah, so my daughter sometimes um faces a little bit of bullying. She's a, a little bit larger for her, her age in school and um I choose to just tackle it straight away. We just sit down and pray about it and we pray for the people that are um that are doing that so she doesn't get upset about it because I grew up without the, the Lord and I you know, got angry and carried that through and I've had a lot of work to undo all of that. So now I just try and make sure that we face it head on, pray for the issue for her and pray for that person so she doesn't... Um, Get cranky at them, you know. <laughs> wonderful. I think
0: that's really great that that you as a parent can sit down with your, uh, with your child and pray with them and pray to the Lord and, uh, you know, he hears our prayers. And uh, I'm sure you've seen uh, that work in your child's life as well. Colleen, thank you so much for your call. A wonderful to hear
1: of good foundations uh, that you're putting in your child's life. We'll talk some more after news about the genesis foundations that will be necessary to shape your child uh, from that parenting role that you have. Ken Ham, let's just uh, quickly give some attention here uh, to your book once again. The book is called, Will They Stand? Parenting Kids to Face the Giants. Now, your daughter Renee contributes a chapter into your book and she deals with uh, education Uh, but this idea that there is a possibility that good values can be lost in one single generation and the idea that parents today are missing, perhaps, this idea of creating a generational legacy. This word legacy is an important part of what you're doing in producing this book.
0: Oh, it certainly is, Neil. In fact, you know, in the scripture it talks about a good man, you know, in the Proverbs, uh, passes on a legacy or an inheritance to his children and children's children and so on. And I like to think of inheritance that the most important inheritance is a spiritual inheritance. In other words, the spiritual legacy. You know, and I remind people in the book that every child conceived in a mother's womb right from fertilization is a human being that's going to live forever and ever and ever and ever. And our responsibility as parents is great. To be able to raise them up, I mean, there's no guarantee. Everyone has to answer for their own sins and so on. But we're to do our best as parents uh, to raise them up to stand on God's word, and so that they will commit their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ and be in heaven with us. You can't take any of your material things to heaven with you, but you can take your children, or you can take your friends, your neighbours, if you know what I mean. In other words, it's human beings uh, that have that eternal value, and so. We need to make sure uh, that we're doing our best. And, you know, when I look at our children, uh, five children, four that are married, 18 grandchildren, what's a blessing to us is to see all of our children trust the Lord. Those that are married, uh, the four of them have married uh, godly uh, mates, and now they're raising their children up. And our daughter, Renee, I gave her a chapter in the book. Uh, because, uh, you know, she's so mature in her thinking about education and Christian education. She founded actually our Christian school over here associated with Answers and Genesis, 12 Stones Christian Academy and just to to read that chapter and see that spiritual legacy there in that generation and that's what we want to pass on and and I challenge people you know because of my parents uh, their spiritual legacy is seen in the ministry of answers and genesis the Ark and count of the creation museum the way they trained me and now we pass that spiritual legacy onto their children uh, onto our children they're passing it on to their children uh generation after generation that's what it should be but you can lose that in one generation and the and the scripture even has an example example the Israelites crossing the Jordan River and they were to build a memorial of 12 stones so when your children ask what do these stones mean don't forget to tell them about God and we learned that the that the elders died Joshua dies and then the next generation served Baal they lost it in one generation because that spiritual legacy wasn't passed on and you know as parents I'm telling people to you know get get our priorities right you know priorities in regard to the spiritual legacy in your children.
1: Okay, and as you say, there were no really great resources when you were growing up, but today there are great resources that every parent can access. We're taking calls on one 316 three sixteen three sixteen. Let's take a call from Michelle in Indigo Valley in Victoria. Hello, Michelle. Welcome along.
3: Hi, Neil. How are you?
1: Well, thank you, Michelle. What are your thoughts for our conversation?
3: <laughs> Well, I guess I'm coming from it, not from a parent's perspective, but more as a child who really appreciates how what my parents did to equip me. Um, and I noticed, I guess, a couple of things for me. Firstly, is that I had parents and uncles and aunts who really believed and trusted in God and his word um, and were an example first and foremost. Um, and some of my uncles and aunts were missionaries overseas and they went through some very confronting things, but just to see their faith and trust in God and that's, regardless of the outcome, that God is worth everything that we have. And that was such a great example to me um, as a child. And I think they also really encouraged us to read our Bible every single day. Um, And there's so many examples and stories in there of when people came up against odds that just seemed they were completely outnumbered and overwhelmed and how God delivered them and how God took people through those times. And I think those sorts of stories and stories like William Wilberforce, Corrie ten Boom, John Wycliffe growing up with those sorts of stories and discussion um, was just really foundational in helping us be
0: Fabulous. not
3: afraid and not ashamed to stand for God.
1: Fabulous mm-hmm. Michelle and uh, those heroes of faith uh, Ken Ham you give some good attention to in your new book uh, to heroes of faith like John Bunyan and uh, Martin Luther and and uh, the ones there that Michelle has mentioned these become important models for us as parents and as we're raising our children what are your thoughts for Michelle <laughs>
0: Oh, well, Michelle, you know, what you were saying reminds me of Deuteronomy 6. You know, you are to teach your children when you lie down, when you rise up, when you walk, when you sit down. In other words, in everything you do, uh, and as Christian parents, are so obviously obviously uh, teaching you. And a reminder, too, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and God's word sharper than a two edged sword. And so as they taught you God's word, uh, God's word certainly penetrates and uh, his word uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And, you know, that's what my parents did uh, with us. And, you know, I remind people. And one of the things I say in the book, uh, too, is that, you know, you've got John Bunyan, who wrote Pilgrim's Progress, and Martin Luther, who started the Reformation. Uh, you know, my, my parents don't have any statues like John Bunyan does over in Bedford in England, or, you know, a Martin Luther in Germany, or anything like that. But look at their legacy in the Ministry of Answers and Genesis and the Creation Museum and Ark Encounter impacting millions. In other words... You you never know what will happen as a result of your witness to your children, to your friends, to your neighbours, and through that, how that could impact millions to come and how important that is.
1: Michelle, thank you so much for your call. one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen 316 316 To join in our conversation, let's take another call. Laura is on the line from Eastwood in Victoria. Hello, Laura.
4: Hello, hello. Thank you for taking my call and thank you for this conversation. Um, I've just called in... Um God has really had it on my heart just in the last couple of weeks, actually, about the way um, that I'm to instruct my children. Um, so it's a very timely um, discussion that you're having. And even this morning, um, Ken just quoted Deuteronomy 6. So I was just reading that this morning um, and reflecting on how um, I, we really need to be um, discussing um, god's word and teaching it to our kids and talking about it all the time and even last night we're sitting around the dinner table and i've got a four-year-old and we were talking about um uh, creation and how god made everything that we have and i was discussing that with him and just yeah really reflecting on how important it is to get the word into them um to teach it to them and to teach it to them from a young age
0: Well, you know, what's interesting is that in the book, I talk about uh, Vegemite because I'm an Australian and how our parents would get us to taste Vegemite when we were young and we'd acquire that taste. And so you've got an acquired taste for Vegemite. Over here in America, a lot of people don't like Vegemite at all. And it's a sort of reminder. I use it to talk about, you know, Timothy, how Paul said, you have known the scriptures from a child and because of the way in which he was trained. And it's important for us to teach our children to acquire a taste of the things of the Lord right from when they're young. That's what we do with our children. And, you know, we would teach them about dinosaurs from a creationist perspective and show them pictures and, you know, right from when they were young and teach them apologetics and biblical truth and the accounts in the Bible and sing uh, songs together and so on, have those devotions. A lot of families don't even have devotions together anymore. A lot of fathers aren't leading their, their family in devotions and that can have such an impact impact uh, on your children the more that that we train them right from when they're young, it teaches them to acquire a taste for those things. There's no guarantee of course that they'll be Christians but it's it's such a foundation that God tells us to lay that is so important. Thank
1: you so much, Laura. one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. 316 316 If you'd like to join in our conversation, let's continue to take some calls. Mary is on the line from Dolby, which is your old stamping ground, I think, isn't it, uh, Ken? But let's hear from Mary. Mary, welcome along. Hi there. <laughs> Hi, Mary.
5: Ray and Don say hello, and um, the Diggins as well.
0: Oh, Um, great. Some of our best friends we ever made are in Dolby. We moved there in 1975 when I became a teacher. Wonderful.
5: I was first introduced to Answers in Genesis through Ray and Don Munro. And uh, when they finished with their creation magazines, they passed them on to me, and I passed them on to my homeschooled grandchildren. And um, I'm very privileged to go into the school's uh, once again, uh, to teach RI, and I tell the children um, um, we're just going. To, we've just gone through Genesis, uh, the creation, and uh, now we're heading off, heading up to Easter. And I say to the children, you know, Jesus walked most places, and he was very tired when he got to places. And his, I say, his mate, they thought he should have a rest, and. um, And I just say to them, uh, and they they would chew the kids away, and and I make it a positive thing that Jesus said, no, suffer the little children to come unto me for such is the kingdom of God. And I said, you guys and girls are very special
1: in God's eyes. Wonderful, Mary. A thought or two from Ken.
0: Uh, Well, you know what? I think it's a great opportunity when you can go into the schools like that and to be able to uh, teach those uh, children. I mean, actually, in some ways, there's more freedom to do that in Australia than uh, there is in America. But we're losing those younger generations. So I encourage as many people, if you've got an opportunity to, to go into the schools or anywhere to be able to teach children the truth and teach them the answers from God's word and how to defend the Christian faith, I encourage you to do it.
1: Mary, thank you so much for your call. Taking calls one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Let's continue to take some more calls. Helen is on the line from Melbourne. Hello, Helen. Welcome.
2: Hello. How are you? Very
1: well. What are your thoughts, Helen?
2: oh uh, look, um, it is so great to hear Kinham. I was, I'm, I'm a Catholic of sorts. And terrible things have happened in the Catholic Church. They used to teach God created the world in seven, you know, six days and took a rest. They taught it as truth, and this other thing has gone into their school system, and it's terrible. And um, I, I, I've got to say. Uh, a friend took me to her church, the Assemblies of God, years ago, and I discovered Creation magazine at the back. And when I came home, I couldn't believe these scientists who had this wonderful message, and I started to take it to a couple of the Catholic churches. And I managed to get some of them to to look at it. I don't know if you, you must know the devastation that's happened in the Catholic Church. And, of course, in Australia, there were Catholic schools everywhere teaching, you know, Genesis as fact. And, I mean, it's a devastation now.
1: Um, Helen, you're raising such an important point here, and uh, it's not just the Catholic Church, but uh, there are a lot of Christian schools that don't teach Genesis in the way that we're talking about today. Ken, your thoughts for Helen and uh, this focus on the fact that lots of even Christian schools uh, don't have an idea of God's creation.
0: Oh, yes, Neil, and and it's not just the Catholic Church. I mean, baptist presbyterian in fact all through australia you'll find many many churches where the church leaders actually will say you don't need to believe in a literal genesis you can believe in evolution doesn't matter and yet genesis 1 to 11 is the foundation for our entire christian worldview it's the foundation for marriage you have the foundation for the gospel the origin of sin the foundation for gender male and female god made male and female you've got the foundation for why we wear clothes the origin of clothing because of sin god made garments of 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 skins for Adam and Eve, pointing to the sacrifice of the Saviour, the promise of the Saviour. In fact, the promise of the Saviour was given in Genesis three fifteen. And you know, when I first became a teacher in Dolby in nineteen seventy five, one of the first questions the students said, so how can you be a Christian? We know the Bible is not true. Why? Because of what we're taught about evolution." And then I found. But uh, many Christians thought you could believe in evolution. And uh, many people need to be uh, woken up to that. And you, you might also be interested, you know, our Answers in Genesis ministry in Australia, we actually have a full-time speaker, Peter Hattie, who's going to do a six-month tour. He's going to tow a caravan around Australia and people can go to our answersingenesis.org events page and request a speaker, and he wants to come and speak in as many churches as he can across Australia to get this message out there and challenge the church uh, to believe in God's Word. Helen,
1: thank you so much for your call. Let's take another one. Carol is on the line from New South Wales. Hello, Carol. Welcome.
6: Yes, thank you. God bless you. Um, this is wonderful news. I'm um, 70 years old now and I had a wonderful godly husband. He died 32 years ago and he was uh, built an orphanage in Korea out of his own money and uh, he taught me a lot about to go and tell people about Jesus. And so now I spend the rest of my life every day in going into the world and just going into a shopping centre or to a beach area and start talking to people. And I just spoke to a young lady the other day, a very wealthy young lady at a beach resort. And um, she invited me into her unit. And she's only 40 and her father's a, a well-known doctor. And um, she despises him and she's, she's into really bad things. And I talked to her about the love of God and she was just so angry. So I would just love to be able to purchase some of these books I don't have a computer but i would love to so that i buy bibles and i give them out that's how i spend my money i don't go on holidays i i just live
1: for the lord carol wonderful to hear your story here and again i can hear this impact of uh, parents on your life and those who are in your family and uh, this is an important element of what i guess we're talking about today I can't help but think too, Ken, and if you're responding here to Carol, uh, a number of our callers have talked about their parents having gone through hardships and been involved in all sorts of things and needing to rely and hold tight to God through the circumstances of their life. What are your thoughts for Carol? Well,
0: you know, again, uh, the impact of parents on children, uh, I mean, the Scripture talks about it uh, so much uh, in regard to uh, not to forget to pass on to them that spiritual legacy that's what we've been talking about here and that's what i've done uh all through that book and you know god does take us um through all sorts of circumstances and i remember growing up just just watching my parents it's interesting what you said about there about not going on holidays and getting books and giving them away and so on and i remember that that my parents. Uh, had very little money, but they would use whatever they had to bring missionaries into the town. And I remember one missionary didn't have money to go to the next town. And so they gave it to him, knowing that they had no more, they just had enough to be able to give us food and and so on. I saw them sacrifice so much. I saw them sacrifice in many ways. It's interesting, uh, the the stories I could tell, for instance, when my, my parents, if they didn't need a piece of furniture or something like that, they would give it away to somebody. They would never sell it. They would give it away to somebody that they thought was in need. And to this day, it's funny, but uh, here in America where they have garage sales all the time and so on, I can't sell anything like that. I, I feel like I'd be going against my parents. And we make sure if we we don't need a piece of furniture, I give it away. Just just to I'm saying everyone should do that, but it's just a reminder of the impact your parents can have on you. And, and the things that, that they even say, like my father would often say, when you have a study Bible, remember the notes are not inspired like the text. The text is the commentary on the notes. And my mother, I, I, I said it earlier in the program, but I keep hearing her saying it's only what's done for Jesus at last. All those sorts of things have a great impact on, on the next generation. Carol, thank you so much for
1: your call. I'm going to have to put a line under calls because we're running short of time. Ken, just perhaps uh, summing up here in a nutshell your new book is telling your own story it's your personal story but you've got a a real sense here in which uh, fathers and mothers need to understand their own role uh, need to understand what a parenting responsibility is and need to understand that there's a genesis foundation that's important in the way that your children are shaped what a just a, a few final words on on just how important it is for parents to take
0: responsibility for the spiritual well-being of their children you know i have a challenge for parents write down right now what the bible says about what your role is as a father as a mother what the biblical principles are that you should use in training your children because if we can't do that we have to ask ourselves well, what am I doing, and am I doing it right, and what principles am I using? Whose are they? And you know, for instance, the Bible makes it very clear that men and women are um, husbands and wives are be. Be submissive to each other in the roles God has given us. We we don't have e- we're not equal in roles. We're equal in value before the Lord, but we have different roles. And Scripture makes it clear a father uh, is to be the spiritual head of his house, so, a father to the children. Shall make known no truth. Fathers should bring your children up in nurture and admonition of the Lord. So here's one challenge. In a lot of Christian homes. I have found over the years most fathers don't carry on their God-given God commanded responsibility to be that spiritual head and to love their wives as Christ loved the church and to be a priest to their family how much are you as a father being the spiritual head of your house and being that priest to your family and how much is is, uh, are you loving your wife as Christ loved the church and who has the most influence on your kids you know is it is it is it the public school is it the TV Uh, who has the most influence or is it you as parents putting that salt of biblical truth in You know children can't be salt till they have it remember that scripture says you're the salt of the earth but you've got to have salt in you and that salt easily pours out because of our sin nature and if it's contaminated the bible says it's good for nothing big responsibility for us to pour in that salt of biblical truth teach them god's word teach them how to defend the christian faith so they can contend for the faith give them answers for what they believe as uncontaminated as possible so they can grow up to be a witness to the world
1: Well, we have run out of time. I just want to remind listeners how you can get a hold of Ken Ham's new book. It's called Will They Stand? Parenting Kids to Face the Giants. Now, there's lots and lots of things you can do to get a hold of some of these resources we're talking about. Uh, The best way to point you is to the Answers in Genesis website. Uh, where you'd be able to get a hold of not only this book but all sorts of great resources and age-appropriate resources no matter how young your children are throughout those developmental years to be able to put that foundation wonderfully in place. genesis.org That's Answersingenesis.org I also, uh, of course, uh, we can't all get to America and visit the Ark Encounter and the Creation Museum right now in northern Kentucky, Ken, so I'm going to have to say to listeners, so perhaps, you know, plan a future holiday when the borders open and the opportunity comes perhaps put it on your bucket list to visit the Ark Encounter and the Creation Museum in Northern Kentucky. I did want to quickly mention Answers TV, this uh, streaming service that you've got. Uh, you've got a free trial period that listeners can take advantage of today, Ken. Uh, you mentioned it's uh, it's the same sort of quality as you'll get with, say, a Disney channel or uh, other channels that you might be able to subscribe to. Uh, is there anything particular you can just identify that might just give listeners that... Uh, that prompting to uh, to actually subscribe and be part of Answers TV
0: today. Well, Answers.tv, we have all of our conferences on our teaching programs, but we have science experiments for, for kids. We have creationist nature programs, and we have three different types of those. I've always wanted to see those because the ones on TV are all from an evolutionist perspective. We have Billy Graham movies on there and other documentaries, and we have music on there. And they can also go and see the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter. We're going to put up some brand new programs in the very near future. We'll, we'll walk you through the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter. See that on answers.tv.
1: Well answers.tv and I do want to mention too you've got a new exhibit that you're working on and uh, you're going to be investing a million odd dollars into the fearfully and wonderfully made exhibit. Uh, you sent me uh, one of the little kits uh, called fearfully and wonderfully made. It has in there. Let me just draw attention to this for a moment. Lenticular photographs. Now, uh, I, I I best describe that as something like a holographic image. Uh, how do you describe it, Ken? But this is uh, these are images of uh, the egg and the sperm at conception and going through to the development uh, level of a child before birth, and they are absolutely. Uh, one of the best resources, a pro-life resource. Uh, Ken, how do you describe those? And uh, getting people getting a hold of this new little kit.
0: Yeah, it's a fearfully and wonderfully made exhibit um, that we're expanding actually in the states here. I believe is the most powerful pro-life exhibit in the world, and so. We did these models that are better than any other models you'll find right from uh, sperm and the egg, as you say, and fertilization all the way through uh, to right before birth. And it is powerful. And we deal with the abortion issue and we deal with uh, all sorts of different issues there. Uh, That particular kit we're making available in Australia at a very inexpensive price. They can uh, go to answersingenesis.org and ask about that. They'll be arriving in Australia, I'd say, within the next month. We sent you a special advanced version of that, but that that box you have there, all the teaching that's in the exhibit is in a book in there as well, and a DVD, and then the lenticular photos are like 3D photos, and if you move them from side to side, you see different angles. They're so powerful. This is like taking a pro-life exhibit to anyone uh, that you want to teach all this to. And I, I would encourage everyone: look, you you can't come over here and see the exhibit right now, but you can have the exhibit in your hand in that box.
1: Well, as a parent. As- As a counsellor, as someone who's part of a local church or if you're involved in a schools ministry or involved in schools anywhere, uh, you might like to get a hold of that Fearfully and Wonderfully Made. You can find it at answersingenesis.org. Ken Ham. Just great getting your update today on things, how they're going with uh, the ministry Answers in Genesis. Uh, Wonderful to be able to read through and uh, enjoy your own family story on raising your children and the idea of leaving a legacy to the next generation. Uh, People can get a hold of that book at answersingenesis.org. It's called Will They Stand? Parenting Kids to Face the Giants. Ken Ham, thanks so much for joining us today on Twenty Twenty.
0: Thanks, Neil. Love talking to you.
3: Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.